Hey, you guys, we're so grateful to have one of my good friends here, Mr. Amir. He's going to introduce himself because I wanted him to properly let you guys know who he is, where he comes from. And then we're going to start going through some questions to kind of get to know Amir even further. But we're so grateful, Amir, to have you on Black Canvas. And thank you for being a part. Thanks, Jerry. I appreciate that. Um, I'm happy to be on Black Canvas. And uh, so about me, um, I'm a dragon. Um, and I was born in Westlake Village, California, uh, which is a ritzy uh, part of California, high end, like kind of like Beverly Hills. But uh, my father is Iranian descent and my mother is like a Viking. So uh, how that mixture got together um, is beyond me. It took a lot, you know, so. That's a little bit about where I was born, um, and uh, I grew up in California playing sports, winning championships and all that, and, you know, wasn't really good in school, to be honest with you, but I was amazing at sports and video games, so go figure. <laughs> you know, I love that. <laughs> Not all of us were scholars in school, and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't have the patience really for, uh, you know, teachers kind of, it just was like, you know, tell me how to get there. I'll get there. Okay. You know, and, um, that's kind of the way I, I work. But and I love that Amir. And it kind of goes back to like, like you were mentioning, like growing up coming from pretty much two amazing parents who were able to bring you into this world and give you so many opportunities. What was that like? being and you know with your mom and your dad and can you tell us about that experience growing up yeah so i've never really seen my uh parents embrace right so my parents split up uh at 10 months old um so i was doing a lot of the bounce around right like um and my dad was very successful mm -hmm. man um he, at the time he was uh he was basically working for Johnson and Johnson and other biomedical uh, in fields, you know, selling hospital equipment to major, major hospitals. So he was being flown around everywhere. Right. So the first five years of my life, I had stayed with my mom until uh, my sister got a little weary. My sister's eight years older than I am. So she was like a little weary about the scenario and got us out of there. So my, my dad comes and I don't really know the guy really, you know, I didn't even know he lived five minutes away from me. Right. He, <laughs> he comes to get me and I'm like, where are we going? You know? And I was, I remember just looking out the window with like, you know, looking at my mom, like, how could you do this? You know what I mean? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> and then we pull into this gated community and I'm like, yeah. okay, upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> you know i was like let's go <laughs> but he was more strict you know like it was it was like a different kind of vibe you know like you're gonna make your bed you're gonna brush your teeth you're gonna you know like these things that were optional at my mom's had now become you know not optional this is a mandatory thing otherwise you'll see you know that kind of thing so I think it was good for me to bounce around and, um, you know, ha it, it kind of turned me into this person today that I am that is uh, very outgoing, very uh, good 
personable person and it helps in in the business field I'm in, you know. So, yeah, growing up with two parents, it was it was hard getting passed back and forth. Sometimes I didn't want to go when I had to go, you know. Um, you know, you listen to one of your parents saying negative things about the other. It's just, you know, it's tough. And then you go through a lot of schools and that's tough. And But sports kind of was like the thing that held it all together. And Amir, I think that's what we have that in common too, because um, my mom did the best she could raising my my brother and myself, and just going through that experience of just a tumultuous relationship that she had. Um, and sports were our thing as well. So my brother used to do track and field. Um, I played basketball. My brother played basketball. My mom used to actually play football and basketball with us in in the yard, and just having a good time. So just learning about like teamwork and just kind of working together and just appreciating what we did have, even though we didn't have much, it was just such a great moment um, from a very young age, just having that experience of having one very strong parent. And then I had great grandparents, had my aunt, my cousin live with us. So like we had a pretty much a, a tight knit family, even though we're a smaller family, but we just had so much support, even though, you know, my dad wasn't physically there um, and a lot of aspects of it, but I always had that strong influence, um, with my grandpa, you know, on rest in peace, you know, he's been gone yeah. now since 2003, but I just always remember a lot of things that he, he showed me in those experiences. And I think you, like you said, with your dad and mom, they gave you a lot of, you know, tough love and support. And I think like that, that's a great, um, lesson to learn at a young age for sure. Oh, yeah. And my grandmother, like you just said, like, honestly, what you were just saying just kind of like brought tears to my eyes, because like, if it wasn't for my grandmother, brother, I do not know that I would be still around. And I'm just being 100% real. She was the unconditional love. She lost a son in Iran um, at uh, just under two years old from pneumonia. I almost died from the same thing. And my name is exactly the same as his. So me and my grandmother thought that I was him. You know, because I came out light skinned, green eyes, you know what I mean? And my sister's dark skinned, brown eyes, you know, we have the same parents, you know. But Amir, my uncle, he was light skinned uh, Iranian guy in Iran, right? With green eyes, like light skinned baby, right? And then he passed. So we had this such a strong bond mm-hmm. that that's where the love instilled in me will never change, no matter if someone literally took something from me that it's irreplaceable, I will still overcome the pain and negativity of that and treat it with love and joy in some way, you know, some form. I will turn it into love. I think that's amazing. She sounds like not only a great person, but sounds like not only did she give you a lot of values and morals that you are still using today as an adult, but that it just seems like that unconditional love, especially from grandparents and you grandparents out there, we so much appreciate everything oh, yeah. you've done. Cause I mean, my, my grandpa was at everything he could. He was like, well, what, what's going on? Do you want to do this? I'm like, uh, I don't know if I really want to. He's like, yeah, we're going to do this. And it was just something that stands <laughs> out to me of just like my first suit, my first dance, my first, like, a lot of great firsts that I had, I, I always remember that with him. And that's just something I wish he had, you know, had the opportunity to see me walk across the stage and he didn't for my graduation. But that was always something. You he know, saw it. He, saw, he saw it. He from saw a different it. area. That's right. 
And from a different area, 100%. He saw it. He saw it. Believe you, me, man. Your grandfather is so proud of you. And I know my grandmother is so proud of me. And um, that's why, you know, like, you know, I, I was talking to you a little bit earlier. There are some big name uh, people coming after me, man. And I, I really respect you personally, you as a person. And that's why I said, you know what? I'm rolling with this interview uh, because of who Jerry is as a person. I don't care what stats other people are working with or, or what's going on. That, 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 that's not what appeals to me. What appeals to me is someone who's real and who has the skill set. Because, listen, you, you're obviously an incredible book writer. I mean, that book you sent me was amazing. Uh, dude, you've written 11 books. I mean, dude, you're, you're going you're gonna to be just fine in this world. You know, that's why I love coming on this podcast today, because it's about building up the, you know, the people that you are around you that are trying to, you know, do something with themselves that are incredibly talented. I really appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you, Amir. And uh, you and I, of course, had a personal relationship in talking outside of the podcast. And I'm glad we did, because. I learned a lot more about you and we will talk to you guys in the future. He'll be on space between the second podcast very soon. So uh-huh. we'll learn a lot more about Amir as, as relates to more personal things. But I think like yeah. you have such a genuine heart. And I think like that is something, especially in the music business, as, as you know, yourself, it can be hard to find mm-hmm. genuine people that you can connect with who really are about doing the next right thing to support people in their careers. So I think like that's just, mm-hmm shows like you say your grandparents and your parents and your sister and those people being in your life have given you such an influence i think like that really helped you musically because you remembered the ground you know the roots from where you came from and i I love that about you amir i think that's great oh yeah and you know like my parents listening to music like that that shaped uh who i am musically too you know like i remember my dad listening to led zeppelin police a foreigner you know bands like that uh uh you know marley you know um uh uh man why am i missing the best guitar player ever i mean come on dude am i tripping uh with um jimmy yeah jimmy hendrix i mean like you know like uh, and then i had my sister you know listening to wham and all these weird things and punk rock and then i went the total opposite way i was like dude i love hip-hop like what like this is where i'm at you know like (laughs) i don't know what you guys are thinking (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah i love hip-hop too i mean like we talk about run dmc we can talk about oh yeah biggie yeah I'm not even going to do my impression of Biggie because y'all probably laugh me out. But, uh, <laughs> but I used to always do it was all a dream. Like I could, I used to know that rap. Like, oh man, right. Me too. <laughs> me too. Me too, brother. And you know what? This is, this is how it starts with me because uh, me and this, this girl, Malika Bradford, right. She was rapping under Coolio uh, at one point and uh, she was in um, Gangster Paradise video which is a, a huge song in Cooley. It's his biggest song of Coolio's career. But I had bumped into her when I had moved mm-hmm. to Utah. Well, I was forced to go to Utah, but whatever. I bump into her. We connect, right? And, um, you know, one time, you know, she's, she's doing sitting there writing something. I'm like, what are you writing? You know, she's like, oh, I'm writing rhymes. And I'm like, really? And I just would, I started watching her, you know, and I was like, Oh wow, this this girl, this girl's sick. You know, this girl's ill. 
And um, one day she, Warren G came out to Utah and snatched her up. Gone. Right. And she's like, I'm like, well, where do I go? You know, she's like, you got that place for another month. Just live in it. And then, you know, you know, figure out what you're going to do from there. And I was 18 years old then. And above us, there was a lady. She was paralyzed from the waist down. She had gotten shot in her back by Hell's Angel. And so I had that, you know, kind of connection of going upstairs and helping her and dealing with music. But that's where I got started with like, oh, I can actually do this, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, just, I mean, 18 years old, living in Utah, like you said, well, being forced to be in Utah and just yeah. <laughs> being that experience, <laughs> I mean, it cracks me up of like, when I think of where I was at 18 years old, like I hadn't even lived life yet. And I mean, that, that just shows you of like different experiences we all have, but that we still came to the same place of just, you know, where we are now in 2021. But I really want to ask you a question about like current artists. Is there any current artists today that you would love to collaborate with? And who is that person? And what type of music would y'all create? Honestly, uh, Wow, that's a great question. I mean, Little Baby is killing it as far as artists go, but um there's one guy that's uh you know, he was um he was he was like a a rapper that what is his name? Not Latrell, but uh what is his name? He he didn't cuss. He doesn't cuss. Oh, I know you're talking about. He's a is he a Christian rapper? Yes. Yes, he's Yes. Super- um I know exactly. You ain't talking about nothing, nothing. You ain't talking about nothing. That dude. Yes. I can't remember how his name is pronounced, but he actually did a song with one of my favorite artists, Tori Kelly. And it was, it was called find you. And they had done a video for it. And they had, um, had done that, um, about cancer research and about raising awareness for cancer. And so I'm a big advocate for cancer. I lost one of my best friends to cancer. Um, he died at 14 years old. And then I've had a lot of friends, who've been diagnosed with cancer and have survived it. And so, so yeah, that was a big record for me. I know his, uh, I'll have to figure out what the name is and we'll talk about him probably on the next one. Yeah, me too. You ain't talking about nothing. nothing, You know, (laughs) you know, he's like, he's like, and Donatello ain't gonna pay pay you for that bragging. You know what I mean? Like that, that is who I would, (laughs) that's who I would do a song with because, you know, it's not about boasting and bragging and shooting people isn't, isn't, um, you know, shooting people isn't fun. And, you know, that's not what I'm about. So, you know, like I got in a car accident when I was 18 years old. I was driven off a mountain, bro. Right. So I'm sitting there three years later, like with a bunch of money. Like, what do I do with myself? Right. So then I'm like, let's see here. Um, let's let's try music. So I go, you know, I go into uh, this this hood hood uh, studio, right? I found on, somehow I found it. It was called Smooth Sound Studio and it was off of uh, Van Nuys and I believe Sepulveda down in LA, right? I go in there and we recorded uh, my demo, right? Which uh, I made like 400 copies of it and it became 8,000 copies like in an instant. Like it was just like people were eating it up alive. Right. So then I'm like, what do I do now? Now I got to follow this up. So I get a big studio, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go see Skip Sailor. You know, this guy, they, they said he's his studios are the best. Right. So I'm at Skip Sailor. I'm recording, you know, doing my thing. And the next thing I know, DJ Quick walks into my session. And I'm like, wait a second, that's DJ Quick. I'm like, wait, hold up, hold up. He's like, no, 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 stay right there. You know, because I was going to walk out and like give him a hug and be like, he's like, no, no, no. Stay right there and don't act like I'm not here. 
And I was like, okay. Um, so he goes in there and starts pushing the engineer away. He's like, move out of the way, bro. Let me get, <laughs> and he's like, okay, now, um, you ready? Go pushes the, put the beats on. And I just went for like 42 bars. I mean, I don't even know when I stopped until he's probably stopped me. He was like, that's enough. <laughs> he's like, but he's like, that's crazy. He's like, that's crazy. Come into my studio after I'm in the studio across <laughs> And I'm going to be here for a week. So we have a lot of time to catch up and come in and play some songs for me. And I was like, word. So that's how me and him met. And uh, when I went in there, he was sitting with High C, who's another uh, big time California rapper. And um, he looked at High C and he said, hey, Croft. He said, after we were playing the music, he said, hey, Croft, this guy's got a hit. He's got a hit record. And he was talking about both sides of my world on my album, uh, Lyrical Terrorism. And see that song right there. See, DJ Quick could see the hit in it, right? But Power 106 at the time was thinking something different because they didn't understand the song. See, it's just like text messages these days. Like someone sends a text message out and another person will get offended by it, right? But they didn't really know what that person sending that text message really meant. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have a conversation with somebody, they don't know. You don't know. That's right. So it was, it, yeah, wow. it was, uh, it was amazing uh, to hear that I had a hit record. But you know, people that were calling in Power One Hundred Six trying to get it played, they were shutting it down. But while the magazines were calling me prophetic because it was before nine eleven, right? And then nine eleven happens, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh wow, like, dude, you're how do you know that was going to happen? And you know, I'm a pretty intuitive guy, but. You know, so I go through the music business and now I have DJ Quick as credibility, right? So I take DJ Quick's credibility, right? And I run with it, right? I run with it. I'm like, okay, I got DJ Quick on my record. Now, now, do you want to be a part of it? You know what I mean? Because I know how to do sales and marketing and all that, right? So once you got a DJ Quick down, the rest of the dominoes fall. And see, this is just a gem for music right. people in any yeah, any any yeah. field. That's a gem right there. You know, you get one domino to fall, the rest will fall. That's true. And I, I think that's we kind of want to I want to segue into something that you and I talked about with one of your songs being featured in one of my favorite movies. Do you mind kind of telling mm-hmm. the listeners about that song and what movie we're talking about? Okay, yeah, man. You know, so uh, I, the first song I wrote, actually, because I was in the studio with DJ Quick and he's like, hey, you know, he played a beat for me. And I was like, oh, my God, this beat is bananas. So I went in and I had a couple pages written down and I'm like, that's got to be enough for a verse. He's got to like that, you know, because I thought m- more is more. Right. But I had no clue of a bar, what a bar meant. So he yanked me out of the studio. He said, this session's over. You don't know what you're doing. And he taught me how to write a bar. Right. He's like one, two, three, four, basically counted it. Mm-hmm. So the next day I pull onto the 101 freeway in California in Los Angeles. And I'm like, whoa, that's DJ quick. Never seen him in my life. I'm like, I brought down the window. We're both screaming at each other. Like, what the heck? You know, slowing down traffic. And I'm like, I got the song done. I yelled it out the window and he's like, already. And it hadn't even been 24 hours. And, and since he showed me how to write a song, he's like, already. I'm like, yep. So He's like, okay, book the studio, be there 5 p.m. I'm like, cool, I'm there. He booked the studio. We recorded that song. Chris Rock loved it. Chris Rock uh, was in the movie Head of State. He was the star of it. 
and Chris Rock had to have that song on that movie. Otherwise, I would have been pushed to the curb and somebody else would have got that placement and more money would have been made. But since Chris Rock loved that song, he made it possible for that song to go on that movie. Right. And I was just like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And you know what? My experiences with DJ Quick will always be love and amazing because I know where I know DJ Quick's heart, you know, and it was just a big boost in my career sitting in that movie theater and being like, wow, that's my song, you know? Yeah, man, that's amazing. I I love that whole journey of how that happened and how things don't just happen by circumstances or happenstance. You may have heard that term before, but I, I think like just you saying that, like Chris Rock himself was like, personally, this is what I want on the actual movie. And like, I remember Warren G, you know, who I love Warren G, one of my favorites oh, yeah. um, and rest in peace to him. But I just always remember that movie. It was, I mean, I watched it all the time. So now that I talk to you, and realize, oh, that song is actually played in this part in the movie. And if, I mean, my family, we watch that all the time. And I have the DVD of it still. So, you know, that's I go way back to DVDs with a lot of these movies. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, love DVDs. <laughs> but I love that. I mean, I'm just so grateful to now talk to you and to know that you were a part of such a historic movie. And then even historically having, you know, Barack Obama being a the first African-American, you know. Right. That's what that's what led that. That's what led that movement. It was like, Mm -hmm. okay, Chris Rock is now the president of the United States. And before it was like unheard of for a movie like that to be like, you know, and he put it on the map. And then then Barack Obama comes and it's like and that's why I'm so blessed to be a part of that movie as well, because of the it basically broke down barriers. A lot of it. You know, it was like, OK, once you see it on the screen, it's it's attainable. Right. And then now, look, Barack Obama comes in and then it was amazing experience. And, and yeah, Bernie Mac, you know, who was in that rest in peace. You know, it's it, it, it was a it was a Absolutely. great movie to be a part of. And then segued me into doing work with uh, Eric Sermon, you know, who's like top five rappers of all time. EPMD. You know, like uh, he basically said, yo, Amir, that's a keeper. Wow. Like you couldn't pay Eric Sermon enough to give you a, a, a you know, compliment like that. And then I work with Butch Cassidy, uh, Demiza, who was the program director at Power 106. And he was Power 30 years over over on end. And Demiza helped me out a lot. I got to admit, um, you know, he told me to watch Star Wars, the movie. Right. And he said, watch it from one to the end. Right. Well, one to four, the first four ones, right? And listen to exactly every word they say and take it into your own life. And I was like, whoa. And I did that. And I'm going to say why it's absolutely like healing. You know, I never I never looked at Star Wars like that before, but Yoda, like his words, like, I mean, there were some people in there, you know, there's some gems in there. So then... Um, you know, I met all these guys and I'm getting my album going and whatnot, you know, and then, uh, Shaq, I, I'm, I'm outside my, uh, my, my condo on Wilshire and Beverly Glen. I lived at the Grand at the time under Stevie Wonder and, um, Jessica Simpson lived like four floors underneath me. We were always, you know, chatting and whatever, you know, you know, Jessica Simpson's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, 
you know, who's not going to chat with her when you're in the elevator? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm in, so I'm waiting one night and I see Shaq's cousin and I just go up to him like, what up, brother? What's cracking? You know, how, how you doing? And he's just like, we're just chatting. He's like, Shaq's on his way over here. We're going out tonight. I'm like, all right, well, I'm in for the night. I'm just chilling. I'm not, he's like, you sure you don't want to roll? I'm like, no, I'm good. So then Sh- I see Shaq pulling up as me and his, me and his cousin are talking. He's turning into our driveway, you know, and, and his big Hummer, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna let you go. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bug Shaq and be all up, you know, cause I'm not one of them guys that's like going to treat you different than just a normal human being. I don't care if you're, you know, the richest man in the world, it's not going to change the way I approach you. Right. So Shaq pulls in, he's like, I say later to his cousin, I, I gave Shaq a peace sign. Next thing you know, I'm getting screamed at, like, hey, hey. And I'm using my best Shaq voice, you know, like, hey, hey. <laughs> you know, like, so I'm like, I'm like almost through the doors. Like our doors, you know, they open wide like a hospital, you know, like glass doors just spread open and you just walk through. And I'm almost through the door to when I heard that. So then I turn around, I walk, you know, ran down the stairs. I'm like, oh, Shaq wants to talk to me. Oh, I'm out, you know, run up to him reaching his window he gobbles up my hand with his hand as we shook hands and he says to me this like this he said hey that you on that dj quick song and i'm like yeah and he's like man he's like that's a banger <laughs> and i didn't you know i i knew him and dj quick had worked together on some songs but he's like that's a banger how can i get that mm-hmm. and i'm like i'll have it at the front desk for you in the morning you know, and no worries. I didn't even have it copywritten at the time. I was just like, here you go. Take it, you know, you know, because I knew Shaq wasn't going to do me dirty. But then he goes to me like this. He says, you want to be a part of my show? And I'm like, what show is that? You know, and I had never done a show before. You know, I was everything was just do it big or don't do it at all. You know. So he's like, uh, he's telling me about this show. He's like, yeah, it's for charity. And that's when, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. I got you. You know, and then I didn't know it was going to be in front of 2,500 people, you know, and I didn't know I was going to be opening up for Boys to Men, Backstreet Boys, Jessica Simpson, Guapale, Method Man's hosting it. I didn't know it was going to be the Laker girls were going to be cheering. Uh, Ice Cube would be there, you know, Machete, you know, I mean, the biggest of the biggest of L.A. was there, you know, and so. It was awesome. I didn't mess up one word. People were dancing in the stands and I did three songs set. It was amazing. Wow. I mean, that is like, you're talking about the Holy Grail, right? Getting to the pinnacle of your success of like, hey, I started out with a song that I came up with. DJ Quick kind of showed me how to do bars, figured it out, gave it to him. Mm. Chris Rock loved it, got it in the movie it became a global sensation. That movie was just such a great movie for so many different people. Then meeting a family member mm-hmm. of Shaq's being able to talk to Shaq and him saying, Hey, you're going to open up and then you do three songs of your own. I mean, that to me, it just shows you of like when you align yourself in the right way, when you're in the, in tune with yourself and then the, the, the messages and the people and the places and things all align with each other. Like that is just, that's amazing. I mean, Amir, I'm, I'm so glad that you 
have that experience. Were you nervous at any point in, in when you were performing? Oh boy. Oh <laughs> boy. <laughs> That's a great question, brother. And I'm going to be honest, I was super nervous cuz I was like cuz I had to be my own uh basically uh you know, you know how when you cuss on a record like you have uh-huh. you you can have a clean version and an explicit version. So basically, I'm my own clean right. version while I'm doing the song, right? So I can't have any slip ups because this is a charity mm-hmm. event. This is for kids. I didn't want to mess up a word. You know, there was huge people there. I hugged Jessica Simpson, took a picture with her before, and she was looking mighty good that day. I gotta say, <laughs> like, <laughs> so I was I was really, 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 really nervous. Yes, I was, but um, at the end, I was, you know, elated and just, you know, I couldn't be more thankful to Shaq and um, that experience because I was like signing autographs from Machete and his family and you know what a great person he is you know he's been sober for a long long time and and really a staple in LA community people don't know that about Danny Trejo he is a staple in this uh, community out here him Mr. Cartoon who I know as well who's done tattoos on me as well. Um, they're staples in this community, you know, and and a lot of, uh, you know, Esteban Oriol, you know, he's a staple in this community as far as phot- photography, you know. A lot of these things, you know, people don't really know, but Mr. Cartoon did my name logo that's on my album, Lyrical Terrorism, which you can find on any platform. And DJ Quick produced four songs on that album. Eric Sermon produced two songs on that album. Uh, Fred Reck from Dog Pound produced uh, songs on there. You know, The Mizza, you know, The Rock. Uh, shout out The Rock. Uh, Dwayne The Rock, he's a good friend too. Uh, a lot of people, Jewel from Tupac, Death Row. You know, um, Jewel was the one singing on all the Death Row, uh, Tupac days, Daz Dillinger, Snoop Dogg songs. You know, she sang on all those. And she should be like a billionaire for all the hit records she was on, but she's, you know, Suge Knight dealing with Suge Knight. And that's, this is where you were talking about in the beginning, this business is very shady. So if you don't know a person like an Amir who is not going to take you for a ride, right. Who's going to, who's going to give you everything that he can to help you go. Then you're going to run into somebody else like that. I won't even mention names, you know, cause I don't, I'm, I'm not that person that likes to do that, but there's a lot of sharks out here in this business. And if you run into one, you know, I wish you all the best. But uh, yeah, they you have to like kind of guide them to the truth. Right. And that kind of goes back to mere like discerning, like who you need to be around and, and being like we were talking earlier about being in line with the right people. I think when you when you are in line with yourself and you can actually see things ahead of time like like you were able to see a lot of things before it happened I think like that is a gift in and of itself but also surrounding yourself with positive family members and people in your support network that will not take advantage and then like really like that's why NDAs I think are such a big deal and just being able to have an attorney who really knows what they're doing to make sure that you don't get caught into a lot of that jargon and stuff that happens. Cause if you don't know how to read a contract and this happens in the NBA, basketball, football, music industry, if you have agents or people, this is just for y'all young people listening. If you don't know how to read contracts and you're not aware and you're not actually well versed mm-hmm. with what, how words 
the same word, if you use it in a certain context, can be switch the entire meaning of a contract. Like just being aware of those things and doing your homework business-wise, there are a lot of people who are bankrupt now or who, like we talked about, even like Anita Baker, like she took over, what was that, with 20-some years, Taylor Swift, you know, just mm. fighting, trying to redo her songs. JoJo, there are many artists out there who we hear the stories or even go even further back, TLC of, you know, how when they were on, oh, um, uh, what was that, um, Behind the Music, I remember many years ago and talking about the record sales mm-hmm. and how they, you know, Waterfall is one of the biggest records of all time and how much they made from that whole situation. It was just, it was mind blowing, you know, to see someone who's one of the Unbelievable. biggest groups in the world and couldn't even be able to afford almost the next meal. So I think, Amir, mm-hmm. you're, you're speaking a language that we need to hear of just doing your homework, being aware, keeping strong support networks around you um, is really helpful. I mean, in any career, but especially in the music business, for sure. Oh, yeah, man. You know, Britney Spears is a big, uh, uh, you know, if that's not eye opening for people, I mean, I don't know what is because your own father will take you if given the opportunity. You know what I mean? When money is involved, money, they said that way back in the day, money can be the root of all evil, depending on who you're working with. Right. Like money doesn't make me. You know why? Because I've Mm -hmm. seen. I've seen millions of dollars right in front of my face. I've sold over $300,000 in, in diamonds with my boy, Kevin, right? Like uh, Kevin G uh, Diamonds. Shout out Kevin, bro. 300K in diamonds, not selling one diamond before. I've sold over 1,500 pairs of kid shoes, not selling one kid shoe before. But see, I am not impressed with money. I'm impressed with people that look out for the younger generation, right? They look out for the people, like look out for the janitor, right? They don't spit on the janitor, right? Like I don't care if you're the president of the the school or the president of Interscope, you know, treat the janitor the same way you would treat that president. And that's how, that's where, where my mindset is, you know, like people will laugh at the, the same joke told by the president of the company of Interscope, right? Versus that same joke being told by the janitor, right? Everybody's going to laugh at the president's joke, right? Crickets are going to be happening when that janitor tells that joke. And that's the shame of what's going on in this world today. Yeah, Mary, I think you're, you're hit the nail on the head. I think it's about connectedness. And I think like that is something that I love about this platform or Black Canvas. And I always say when I started this individually, it was just me just talking about wellness self-esteem, money management, um, people learning how to build their spiritual connections. I wanted it to be a platform where people could could learn something, have small tidbits and things they can take with them to make their day brighter, especially during a global pandemic that was going on. And as it has continued to grow, I still have the same adage is that if we're not being aware of who we surround ourselves with, what the messages we're portraying or trying to um, to give to the world, then we can get caught into those traps. And a lot of those traps can lead us into depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, um, a lot of other places that we don't want to go or be stuck in. So I'm glad that you said that about like, you mm-hmm. know, that if you're not aware, if you don't even know how you're treating the person next to you, um, that person might, you never know if that person is going to be the person that you will need in the future. And my grandma used to always say, Ooh. she said, you make your enemy your footstool. And she said that, you know, you have to just be aware of that when people do stuff to you. It's not about standing on someone's neck. It's about just knowing that when they're trying to trip you, they may be falling into their own ditch. And it's just 
something for us to be aware of that, you know, be nice to people, but you don't know where you're going to end up in your life, your career, your health. And, and I know that in the last couple of years, we've seen so many changes in the world, but just how people are using the pandemic now, I think as a way for us to connect is so great that I've seen so many um, people who've gone into careers that they never would have thought of before the pandemic. And we saw that with 9-11, we saw that with a lot of things, Hurricane Katrina, which mm-hmm. is something I experienced myself, and how the world can use it as a platform for us to connect, or we can use it as a way for us to be divisive and, and lose sight of ourselves. So I'm grateful, like I said, Amir, that you were able to share that, because that yeah. just shows us like we can grow and we can make the best of whatever we choose to. I think you'll like this too. This do not judge a book by its cover. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) You know why? Because my dad told me this one time, he said, you see that man right there hopping out of that beat car. I was like, yeah, I see him. You see how he's dressed. I'm like, yeah, he looks, he looks, he looks straggly. Like he, he must be really broke. He said, that guy has 10 times more money than I have. And my dad was super rich <laughs> at that time. So, so 10 times my dad's money, I was like, and this guy's hopping out this beat car, beat shoes, beat clothes, walking into the post office like any normal person. So you never know who you're talking to. So always, in general, always treat people with respect, right? That's that's a general motive, not for selfish reasons, but for real life reasons. You know what I mean? Like, be a good person because karma is real. I agree, Amir. And so I really want you to give some advice or suggestion, if you can, to our younger people listening. Mm -hmm. If you could speak to your younger self and give your younger self any advice, what okay. would you say? And this is, this is an amazing question. I love this question. So uh, I would tell myself, my younger self, to listen to my elders. I would tell my younger self to really, really hear what my elders meant when they were telling me that I didn't know what I was doing yet because I haven't lived it yet, right? Because... You know, when you give a young kid a lot of money, right? I had a lot of money at at a young age, right? That young kid is going to think that he knows everything. So he no longer has to listen to his father. He no longer has to listen to his parents. He is the man, right? Well, let me tell you this. The man can easily fall on the ground and lose everything he has if he is not careful with the steps that he is making, right? So I would have told myself to listen more and not think I knew everything, right? And be prepared for and be prepared for everything and anything. That's what I would tell my younger self. And reason being is uh, you know, you never know what's gonna come down the line. You never know what's gonna happen to you in this world. You know, you never know what tomorrow has to offer. If you're 20 years old, you know, you don't know nothing about 21 to 25. If you're 25, you know nothing about 25 to 30. I just That's true, Amir. I mean, yeah. love you know, that. That's where I that's what I would tell myself. I love that, Amir. I mean, I I always say like experience can be the best teacher or a bitter teacher and I mean, 
there's many of us that have gone through mm-hmm. a lot of challenges. And like I said, we're definitely going to talk more about that in our next episode in the future. But I think it just shows you how resilient you are to bounce back and to still have positivity in your life and to share with the world your music, your life, your story, to even be on this platform, which I know can be very scary, not knowing what's going to happen and just being open and authentic. It just shows when people are honest with themselves and are willing to go to the next level that you can have a genuinely amazing conversation. And not only can we learn from you, but we can also learn through your experiences. So I love Amir that you share that with us. And I think that's a lot of great feedback for our young people listening, like who are just getting ready to start in the business, whether if it's designing music, you know, being a film director, entrepreneur, like all of that information he just shared is something we all need to take heed to and listen because we don't we don't know everything oh yeah i think when we start knowing everything we start losing ourselves 100 percent. and you know what young people this is for you especially get someone that you can trust right that is the most important part of the entertainment business trust transparency right you you don't want to like you said in the beginning the contracts you know attorneys you know like having your back you know not trusting someone's word because listen i've been taken for rides plenty of times in this business but what i won't be is bitter towards this business what i will be is a better person you know when uh when thriving in this business and and i won't make the same mistakes why because you know I've learned from those mistakes, but you know what? I have a great roster right now. Jay Reese, uh, Latin artist. Oh man, Jay Reese. I am super, super pumped for his music. Uh, we're going to start recording, uh, some songs on him coming up. Uh, you know, he sings in Spanish and, and, and English and raps in Spanish and English. So he, he is definitely up there. Josh Knight, uh, my other artist, is super, super duper talented and amazing. I'm so excited for him and his music as well. And then I have uh, D Black, uh, who basically everybody and should know about because he is basically Dr. Dre and DJ Quick and those that you know th- those big hit records. He programmed their records. He programmed their their sounds. He made a lot of beats that people aren't aware of because these people pay people pretty good, you know what I mean, to keep their name off of those credits. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I have lots of uh, clients that I'm working with, helping people on a daily, you know, different artists. So if anybody out there needs help, you know, um, with their music business, entertainment, you know, goals, anything they need, you know, you know, and they're friends with you or listening to this, you know, holler at me, California Mirror on Instagram, you know, reach out, man. And I'd be glad to help any of your friends, especially Jerry, because, man, you're you're a great guy. Well, I appreciate it, Mir. And you are not only an amazing human being, as I've, I've mentioned before, and I can speak for hours on that, but it's that you really have the the greatest spirit and i think that to me is worth more than the heart like if you have a great spirit and you are willing to do what it takes to survive and surviving and thriving especially when you've gone through tragedy and traumas and experiences for all of us in this world we've all gone through certain things that's led us to this point but being able Mm -hmm. to put a smile on your face and to keep pushing forward i think like i'm just so proud of you and i always tell people that we need to learn to be grateful and let other people be proud of us 
And I just want you to know I'm very proud of, of mm-hmm. what you have done and what you're continuing to do. And I want you to be grateful of the experiences that you've had because you've, you've impacted my life and I think you will impact so many others. Thanks. Blessings, brother. And you, um, I think the same about you. I think so highly of you. And I just know you're going to do so many amazing things in this world. And just, just reading, uh, you know, your, your stuff is just amazing, bro. Your writing is amazing. Like if, if people have not checked out Jerry Harvey's books on Amazon, like literally go check this man out. He is not a joke. (laughs) And I'm the, I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta let them know, man, you're, you're, you're a beast, you know, and you're very humble. Like, you know, so I gotta let them know, you know, you're a beast in this field and they need to, they're, you're going to be doing your thing here very soon for a lot of people. So watch out world. Here comes Jerry Harvey. Let's get it. Well, I appreciate it, Amir. And like I said, we really are so grateful for you being a part of black canvas And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right, Amir, if there's anything else you want to share before we end our podcast episode, you can share it with us. Yes, I'd like to say this. Love is life. Blessings to everyone out there. And, you know, let's keep it moving and much success 2021 to 2051. Let's go. All right, Amir. Thank you so much for being a part of Black Canvas. And I will have you soon um, back on either Black Canvas for a new episode first or Space Between before that. But we will have Amir back many more times, you guys. But he's going to be one of our special guests for Space Between. So if you guys have not checked out Space Between, it is also available on Anchor um, and it's available on Spotify. And it will be available on many other platforms in the next couple of months. But we are so grateful to have Amir here. And Amir... I hope you have Me a great too. rest of the evening. Tap in with Jerry on Black Canvas and Space Between, man. It's going up. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a part. Have a great evening. All right. You too. All right. Bye. Yeah.